0: So um, in our our Advent sermon series right now, we're looking at what does Jesus, what are are the gifts that Jesus brings to us because he came as a baby, you know, 2,000 years ago. And so the first week of our sermon series, we've looked at hope last Sunday through Jim Curzon, who did a phenomenal job. He's such a natural communicator. He talked about love. Today, obviously, we're talking about joy. So I'm excited about this. Augustine, so he wrote this 1,600 years ago. He wrote this, check this out. For who wishes anything for any other reason than that he may become happy? There is no man who does not desire this, and each one desires it with such earnestness that he prefers it to all other things. Who, whoever, in fact, desires other things, desires them for this end alone. So what Augustine is telling us, and he wrote this 1,600 years ago, and it still holds true today, is that above all above all else, us humans, we, we desire joy. We desire happiness. And when we're pursuing other things, why we, we, we are pursuing them is because we're pursuing them for joy. We want to be happy. <laughs> the pursuit of happiness is definitely hardwired in us every human seeks it and yet many don't have it as we were worshiping i got this text and this is just so awesome and when we talk about your giving here at the church this giving that you did it brought joy to a lady in our church and this is what she wrote me as we were worshiping i'd like to thank you very much for the generous gift card I even got my mom and sister a gift. Nobody has ever done anything like that for me. I sat here and cried the day I got it. Thanks again. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas. Bless you. After the service, I'm gonna be going to a neighbor, a new neighbor, recovering heroin addict, recovering meth addict. has been clean for six years. She's working her tail off at Chipotle downtown. Uh, her son, working to help pay the bills, is working at McDonald's. And yet, she's struggling to get money for her rent together. She's in need of some joy. If anybody wants to partner with me in bringing this lady joy, come and find me after the service. I want to bless her. People are lacking joy. Why are we lacking joy? What is it? Why do we lack it? That's what we're tackling. Here's how the dictionary defines joy. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So, in order to define joy, you gotta define happiness because happiness is in the definition of joy. How do we define happiness? Happiness is defined as a feeling or showing pleasure, feeling of pleasure or showing pleasure or Contentment. So here's the definition I want to offer to you this morning for for joy or happiness. A person is joyful or happy when they are feeling great pleasure or contentment. That's what we're all after. That's we are after that joy. Um, so why is it so absent from so many people? Why do we often lack it? How many times have you ran into a person and you ask them how are you doing today, and they answer with same crap, different day, right? How many times have you asked somebody how they're doing and their response is busy, exhausted? Why is it that depression, and this is so sad, has increased so tremendously among high school students, college age students, and young adults? It's, It's off the charts in the last five to seven years. Why are you here today and you lack so much joy? Perhaps you're here and you're struggling to have it. And Christmas is just a reminder that you haven't taken hold of it. You're living but you're not really alive. You're just sort of making it through. There's no pep in your step, you're just existing. Complaint is your native tongue. Other people seem to never meet your standards. You're solemn, you're grumpy, you're lacking zeal. Why do we lack joy? All right, here, I wanna say that the answer as to why we lack joy is so complex that as I was preparing for this, I had the thought that, you know what, I have to do it. I just need to do a sermon series on this to do a more full treatment of this problem, okay? So I'ma offer you several things this morning as why we lack joy, but please know it's not exhaustive. So here's the first reason that I want to mention to you as to why joy is absent often from us. It's, we have a faulty view of God. A.W. Tozer, he, uh, he communicates to us in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about you is who you perceive God to be. We tend, by a secret law of the soul, to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So Tozer is saying how... How you perceive God, how you, whatever you think of his character, his attributes, his plans in the world, that your soul will move to whatever conception of God that you have. It's like this law of the soul. It just happens. And so, what comes to your mind when you think about God? What are you, what are you thinking of right now? What do you believe God to be like? Do you view God as a crotchety old man, you know, in the sky, never smiling, never rejoicing, always serious, always looking to, in the great words of the great Austin Carr, throw the hammer down on somebody who doesn't toe the line and you know missteps by the tiniest infraction? Is that your view of God? A lot of times I meet people with this view of God. You see. To be joyful, you have to have a different image of God than that. And so you might be thinking, all right, so do I just fabricate an image that's going to work for me and make me happy? No, lies do not make us happy. Truth sets us free. Lies do not. I'm asking you to grab hold of an accurate view of God this morning. Who is God? What is he like? Do you know that God is the most joyful person in the universe. Do you think of God this way? The most joyful person in the universe. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, that's not that God I learned about growing up in church. Prove it. I'll prove it. Let's go. Here we go. First, the Holy Trinity. (coughs) What is the Trinity? It is... Guess what? Loving, joyful community. The three in one God, one God, three persons have always existed in joyful, (laughs) loving community and always will exist in joyful, loving community. At the bottom of the universe is this joyful, loving community. Look at uh, there's tons of scripture that shows us the joy that exists in the Godhead. Let me just mention a couple. Genesis 1:31. God saw all that He made, and it was very good. What was what was God doing? The Godhead was rejoicing in their creative works. They were pleased. Matthew 3, 16, 17 says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said this, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Do you know what the Greek word that is translated pleased means? It means this, to take a high degree of pleasure and mental satisfaction in. That is what the Father was doing at the Son's baptism as the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is hovering. It's beautiful. How about Colossians 1, 19 and 20? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The same Greek word for pleased is used again. This verse tells us that it gave God great, the Father gave the Father, the Spirit, great pleasure, great mental satisfaction in having all of the divinity be present in Jesus in human form. God is a joyful God. Jesus, he is the ultimate revelation of God, right? Was Jesus joyful? Luke ten twenty one tells us this. Jesus, full of joy through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of joy. How about this other verse? It talks about God's joy. In in 1 Timothy 1.11, the Apostle Paul, he describes God as the blessed God. The Greek word translated blessed means happy. And so you could say this verse this way, the glorious good news entrusted to me by our happy God. You see, if you start to view God as the most joyful being in the universe, you are now, you have now stepped on to the path towards joy. If you don't start there, you're never gonna get to it. Here's the second reason. So we have a faulty view of God, that's why we lack joy. Here's the second reason we often lack joy. We don't believe God wants us to be happy. We actually think that this is an unchristian kind of idea. I meet a lot of Christians that think, oh, no, God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. Okay? Is holiness the end that God has in mind? Is that the end that he's after? No. Your joy, your happiness is the end that he's after. And he knows that joy, true joy, comes on the far side of holiness, not the near side. He wants you to be holy because holiness leads to happiness. Holiness is not the end goal. Now, maybe some of you are thinking here, well, I I thought that the whole purpose of our life is is to glorify God. That's what God's really after is that we glorify him. Right? He's not concerned about our happiness, at least not that much because that's why we were made. We are to glorify God. That's what he cares about. And again, just like the the last thing I said, that God just cares about our holiness, every good lie has a kernel of truth in it. And so there's a kernel of truth in this right here. Yes, God does want us to glorify Him. No doubt about it. But do you know how God is most glorified by us? When we are most satisfied in Him. Think about that. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. He has linked His glory with our satisfaction. It's remarkable. Now, if you still don't believe me that God wants us to be happy, think about creation. Did God create us because He had a void, some void in His joy that He needed to fill? No, we've already established that he's always existed in loving, joyful community. So why did he create the universe? Well, we see all over the place he created it to share his joy, to invite us in the dance of the Godhead. The dance of love and joy. That's why his joy is an overflowing joy. He delights in sharing his joy. This is the God that we serve. Look, there's so much, there's so many pointers to this. Genesis two nine, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were what? Beautiful. And fruit that was delicious. God cares about our joy. He didn't have to make stuff taste good. He didn't have to give us our five senses, but he did so that we can enjoy the beauty and the deliciousness of creation. Think about this. He gave us a nose to enjoy the smells of fall. Mm. He gave us a nose to enjoy the smell of flowers in the spring, a warm cup of coffee in the morning, the Christmas tree in our living room right now, cookies in the oven, meat on the grill. God gave us a sense of touch so that we can enjoy hugs and kisses and massages and back scratches In the soft skin of a baby. In cool breezes and love making. God even gave us spots on our body that are called tickle spots. Because when they're touched, we laugh. (laughs) If that's not proof that God wants us to be happy. And think about this. He even made going to the bathroom pleasurable. Amen. If that's not proof. I don't know what it is that God wants to think that God gave us an ability to hear, to enjoy the sound of an ocean, a stream, the the, the, the song of the birds singing, the sound, and this is my favorite, of laughter sound of laughter. Think, he gave us the ability to see so we can enjoy a beautiful sunset, a a beautiful mountain landscape, the faces of the people we love. He could have made us see, we could see in black and white, but he made us see in color. He gave us the ability to taste so we can enjoy mouth-watering steak and delicious desserts and refreshing fruits and a cold glass of water at the end of a hard day of work in the summer sun. Like God is all about our joy, our pleasure, our happiness. And what did Jesus teach? If he's the ultimate revelation of God, what did he teach? Jesus told his disciples in John sixteen twenty four, Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so what so your joy may be full how about john 17:13? i told them many things while i was with them in this world so they would be filled with what my joy. How about John 15, 9 through 11? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you are holy, if you, if you, if you become holier, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my, what that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be little, full when it becomes real to our heart that God is the most joyful being in the universe and that He created you for joy you're on the path to joy here's the last reason I want to tell you this morning as to why we often lack joy and it is this, we pursue the gifts instead of the giver and so you know, uh, you know, I'm so focused on getting into that college um, and getting accepted into law school because I believe that that's where the joy is found. Or if I, I'm so concerned about getting an athletic scholarship, then if I do that, then I'll grab hold of joy. If we can, if I can just get married, then I'll be happy. If we can just get pregnant, then. Joy will no longer be elusive. If we can just raise healthy, smart, high achieving kids that go on to have great careers, then our joy will be complete. If we could just travel a little bit more, you know, see the world, then we'd be happy. If I could just lose those 50 pounds that I've been wanting to lose for years and tone up the backside, then I will be happy, right? If I could just afford season tickets to the Cavs and the Guardians, if I could just be a member at Brookside, then I would be happy. These things are all good things and they can give you a degree of joy, but they are not powerful enough to give you deep, lasting, sustainable joy. C.S. Lewis, he says this, Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love or first think of of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. And I'm not speaking now of what would be ordinarily called unsuccessful marriages or holidays or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we grasped at in that first moment of longing which just fades away in the reality of it. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife. And the hotels and scenery may have been excellent. And chemistry may be a very interesting job. But something has evaded us. And so is there any hope? If there's nothing that we are tasting that can satisfy us, where is the hope? This is where C.S. Lewis, he goes on to say in the same chapter in his book, Mere Christianity. The Christian says creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy and echo or mirage. I love the story of Brandon dancing with Arya. You know what that's meant to be? That earthly pleasure is meant to be to arouse the desire for the greatest joy, and that is God himself. They're all meant to point us to him. Earthly pleasures are gifts, but don't mistake them for the giver. They're signposts to point us to where real joy is found. And real joy is in knowing the living God and being known by God, That's where we find ultimate joy, a joy that truly satisfies, a joy the world can't take away. Why can't the world take it away? Because it's not of this world. It's a joy outside of this world. It existed before the world was even created. That's why the world can't take it from us. Do you know that God is the fountainhead of joy? Think about this. The earthly pleasures we experience, they can be so intoxicating that we struggle to manage them, don't we? I have a whole plate of Christmas cookies freshly baked yesterday on my counter at home. There's going to be a serious internal battle when I get home. And if Christmas cookies are able to bring us that much joy that we can't even control ourselves, and they are just a byproduct of the fountainhead of joy, can you imagine what it's going to... Be like to drink directly from the fountainhead of joy, God himself? Amen. Think of that. You see, C.S. Lewis says, we're, t- we're too easily pleased. We're too easily pleased. We're messing around with drink and sex and blah blah, 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 whatever you want to name. And we're missing the fountainhead of joy. We settle. We settle for the gift. And miss the giver. Don't miss the giver. Uh, Psalm 1611 says this, You will show me the path of life. This is King David saying to God, You're in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How about Psalm 63, 1 through 5? Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. We must stop settling for lesser joys. Um, so let me just end with this: How does Christmas relate to, to what I'm sharing with you today? What does Jesus' birth have to do with joy? He came. It's the whole reason he came. It's for your joy. Look at this. Luke two ten through eleven. When the shepherds are talking, or when the angel is talking to the shepherds, what does the angel say? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to reconnect us to the fountainhead of joy so that we can be saved from sin and death and experience everlasting joy. This is why Jesus came. How about Hebrews 12, 2? What does it tell us? It says that Jesus, check this out, who for the joy, set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What enabled Jesus to endure the extreme, extreme humiliation of hanging naked on a cross for everybody to see? What enabled him to endure that? The shame. Well, this verse says the joy set before him. Well, whose joy was set before him? We we already established Jesus doesn't need more joy. So obviously it wasn't his joy that was set before him while he was enduring the cross. He didn't need more joy. Jesus is full of joy, the verse said. Why did he do it? Why did he endure the cross? It was your joy that was set before him. That's what he was after. And this is what Christmas is all about. That this baby born came for the joy set before him and he er endured the cross to bring you joy, never ending, complete, full joy. Pursue God, drink deeply from the fountainhead of joy through worship, prayer, fasting, Bible reading, meditation, application, and interacting in Christian community. And you will increasingly be filled with joy. Let's pray god our father we're so grateful that you are the most joyful being in the universe make that real to our hearts and lord i pray that uh, you would enable us to spend time with you good consistent quality time with you because as we do that your joy rubs off on us like a married couple That's been married for years and before they they know it, they even start to look alike because they rub off on each other when we spend that time with you, when we're united to you through Jesus. Over time, we become joyful. May we pursue you. May we truly believe that your loving kindness is better than life, that your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus who just did the unimaginable so that we could be reconnected to you, the fountain of joy. May we praise him and love him and serve him. And Lord, if there's anybody here that has not, through repentance and faith in Jesus, if they have not been reconnected to you, the fountain of joy, I pray today would be the day that they would surrender to you, that they would open wide the gates and let the King of glory and joy come in. It's in Jesus' name we pray.